Good morning. It's good to see each of you today. I, I've got a couple of announcements I wanted to add to what uh, Kevin shared earlier. Um, <clears throat> Easter Sunday is April the 21st. And I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, there are seven Wednesday nights between now and the following Easter Sunday, April 21. And I, I would like to do, Jesus spoke seven times from the cross in the four Gospels. You put them all together and there he had seven statements or prayers or observations that he made while he was hanging on the cross. And I would like to take over these next seven Wednesday nights, uh, one each Wednesday night. Uh, these are prayer times and Bible studies over at uh, Bristol Road location, but uh, we'll do one, one every Wednesday night. And the final statement will be the Wednesday night before Good Friday service, which is here, and the Easter Sunday morning service so if you can for these next few weeks join us on Wednesday night as we contemplate uh, the crucifixion and then on Easter celebrate the resurrection the other announcement I want to make is about next Sunday morning um, uh, Hannah good to see you today uh, we've got Zachary Daniel a new member of our church, assistant pastor. <laughs> and, and we're going to have baby dedication next Sunday morning of little Zachary. And uh, several of you know uh, Bobby, and this is Bobby's grandson. I can't believe Bobby is a grandfather. Can you believe that? It's like me, how could I be a grandfather? But, uh, but that'll be a beautiful service next Sunday morning, and I hope you'll come praying and uh, expecting God to, to elevate the family and the importance of children. Well, if you have your Bibles, find Hosea chapter 14... Hosea chapter 14, Hosea comes right after the book of Daniel. So there you go. That should make it much easier for you. And just before Joel, or you can look in the front and see what page it's on. Uh, either way. Hosea chapter 14 verse 1 I'm speaking to you on returning to the Lord. He says, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Some translations have, you have fallen. None of them have, you have fallen and can't get up. I don't know of any that says that. 
But some say you have fallen because of your iniquity. You have, one said, you have been crushed because of your iniquity. But the solution to this is to return to the Lord. And probably most of us would agree that we are away from the Lord to a certain degree or a certain extent. Um, the background of Hosea goes back to 700 years before the birth of Christ. Israel had begun to worship idols and even to the point where they would offer human sacrifices to these idols, their own children. So hard times had come upon them and there was famine, marauding bands, even invading armies in the land of Israel 700 years before Christ. Israel had reached out to a military power named Assyria. They were a little, uh, quite, well, quite a bit north of the land of Israel. And they had asked Assyria to protect them from these other armies, the Babylonians or the Egyptians. And they had agreed to pay for protection. Uh, this included wagon loads of gold, large sections of property, and an annual tax that they had to render to the king of Assyria every year. This was a, a fairly typical arrangement in the ancient world. And Hosea is about how Israel has gotten away from God, worshipped idols, and instead of returning to God because of all the difficulties, she's relying upon a pagan nation and a pagan army to protect her. So Hosea concludes his prophecy in chapter 14 with this chapter on returning to God. And I want us to just walk through this chapter and you'll find there are three things about returning to God. First, how simple that it is. That's in uh, verses 1 through 3. I want to show you that. Then starting in verse 4 and going through verse 7, how wonderful that it is. God makes all these promises for those who return to Him. And then third, in verse 89, we'll look at how available that it is. Whoever wants to do it can so let's back up now and look first of all at how simple that it is to return to God. If God is like the sun in the universe in our world or the, the fountainhead out of which all the streams flow or the head of the body, if God is the very source and core of everything, you would think He'd be complicated to get to. He's not. It's very simple. In verse, in Hosea 14, verse 2, he tells you to return in verse 1, then he tells you how in verse 2. Take with you words. 
and return to the Lord. Now that's not that expensive. Take with you words. You know, in the Old Testament, if you, if you come to God to worship, you had to either bring the most expensive was an ox. This is in Leviticus chapter 1. If you're going to come to God, you, you had to bring an ox, or if you didn't, couldn't afford an ox, you could bring a goat or a lamb. And if you were really poor, you could bring a dove or a pigeon. You could even catch those. So he says, to come to God, bring something. What's amazing here is, he says, come to God and bring words. You don't have to pay for words. You just say them. If some of us had to pay for words, we'd be bankrupt. He'd bring words. How simple. And then he says... And say to him, return to the Lord, verse 2, and say to him, (laughs) he not only tells you, just bring some words, he tells you what words to bring. That's simple. Say to him, then he gives you three or four things that you're to say. First, take away all iniquity. This is verse 2. Do we have the, the Hebrew word take here? The Hebrew is nisa, to, and it means basically to carry. It's used about 600 times in the Old Testament, and almost every time it's to pick up something. And he says, when you return to God, say this, carry or bear what? All iniquity. He says, when you come to God, take, bring some words. And those words should be, Lord, would you carry all my iniquity? <laughs> you know what that is? That's the gospel, isn't it? Because didn't Isaiah later, Isaiah 53 and verse 12 he bore, Nisa, same word, the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He bore our sin. He carried it. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So he's saying when you go to God, just take words and say to him, bear or carry the weight of my sin. One of the things that, um, that I have heard uh, stated about loans, if you borrow $500, you're in trouble because you're the one that has to pay it back. But if you borrow $5 million, the bank's in trouble. <laughs> you know why? Because you can't pay it back. What he's saying is, look, you come to God and say, Lord, you carry this. This is so big. My sin is so great. My debt is, my debt load is so large. You're going to have to absorb the loss. I can't do it. That's what he's telling us here. I got to hurry. 
Another thing he said, verse 2, this is English Standard Version, except what is good. Except what is good. And by that he means what he, his confession, his words, his worship. Uh, one translation says, we will then praise you with the bull or the sacrifice of our lips. We will, in other words, the, the sacrifice that we will bring is what we say. So he, he, he says here, accept that. Please accept what I'm saying. A third thing he says is, verse 3, say this, Assyria will not save us and we will not ride on horses. In other words, military might's not going to help us if God is against us. And he says, so when you come relinquish all this trust that you have in a pagan nation to protect you and look to me. He says, so say, verse 3, Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses. We will say no more our God to the work of our hands. In other words, what we can produce and what we can do and I think we would, sometimes we put such confidence in our skills or in our doctors or in our lawyers or in our politicians, even our employers. We trust in them. What we need to do is say, God, I thank you for these people, but I'm trusting in you. I'm not trusting in my politicians. We had a, la a sweet, beautiful lady come this morning in the early service, and she works at GM. You know, it's, it's amazing to me, so many people put their confidence in General Motors, but Flint has high, one of the highest unemployment rates and highest... Um, uh, poverty rates in the country. I think sometimes we need to say, Lord, maybe we're trusting in GM rather than the God of all heaven and earth. And I, I, I jotted this down. The unemployment rate in the U.S. is 4%. In Flint, it's 9%. Maybe we need to look to God for provision and less to men. Assyria will not save us. And one other thing there, he says in verse 3, at the last statement, say this, in the orphan, the orphan finds mercy in you. Acknowledge that without God, you're without a father. You say, but I have an earthly father. But without God, you're without a father. You're as vulnerable and weak as an orphan. But in God... You may not have an earthly father, but in God you can find a father and find mercy. So he says, God have mercy on an orphan. I am returning to God because to be away from God is to orphan myself. It is to be abandoned and to be alone. So how simple that it is. 
God, I, you carry my sins. I'm bringing words. The words are, you bear them. You pay for them. Accept the praise of my lips. I will not make an idol out of someone else or something else. And without you, I'm an orphan with no one to care. That's how you come. Those are words you can say. And that's in verses 1 through 3. Now let's look at how wonderful it is. We've looked at how simple it is, how wonderful it is. Verse 4 through 8. And here, starting in verse 4, are eight promises, eight benefits that I I just sort of saw emerge from this text. Here, let me just walk through these real quick. <clears throat> Verse 4. First, he says, I will heal their apostasy. When you get away from God, you're, you're a wounded soul. And so coming to God is like coming to the doctor when you're sick. It's your soul, though. It could be your body, but here he's talking about he, he will heal them. Second, also in verse 4, I will love them freely. That means lavishly, abundantly. Like the father who loved the prodigal who'd returned in, in Luke 15. He ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. Showered him with kisses. Gave him the best robe. Put shoes on his feet. The fatted calf. And they all parted. He loved them lavishly. God says, I will love them like that in verse 4. In verse 5, he names a third thing. He says, I will be like dew to Israel and he will blossom like the lily. That's one of the things about, uh, about God is he causes such a pleasant atmosphere. God in your life makes you pleasant. You want to stop and smell the roses or the lilies in this case. Number four, he says in verse five, I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily. And then what else? He will take root like the trees of Lebanon. What does that mean? The trees of Lebanon, these are a picture of some trees in Lebanon that, that is just a little bit north of Israel. And what happens to the trees in Lebanon is that their roots go out and they interlock with other roots of other trees. And he's saying, I will make you like the trees of Lebanon, famous for their interlocking roots, strong I'll make you strong. I'll make you connected to others in such a way. You'll be able to cope with things like you haven't coped with before. And then in verse 6, look at what he says. His shoots will spread out and his beauty will be like the olive or the olive tree. He will make you beautiful. One of the most beautiful things in the land of Israel is the beautiful olive tree. When you get away from God, it doesn't matter how pretty you are, ladies. You can be ugly. When you get close to God, it doesn't matter how homely you look. You can be beautiful. 
a husband and a wife were fussing one day and the man said to his wife, he says, why would God make you so beautiful and so stupid at the same time? And the woman shot back, well, he made me beautiful so you would marry me, but he made me stupid so I'd marry you. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how ugly we can get without God? Uh, A sixth thing in verse 6 he says his, his shoots will spread out, his beauty will be like the olive, and his fragrance like the Lebanon. Now, he's mentioned the Lebanon, the Lebanon trees. His fragrance like Lebanon. The main atmosphere in Lebanon, the main fragrance in Lebanon are those huge cedar trees. And the fragrance just fills the land. These huge cedar trees. And cedar is so powerful and so therapeutic that it's used in aromatherapy. (laughs) And you can even buy perfume, cedar perfume. I looked this up. Neiman Marcus sells cedar perfume for $175 for a bottle about that high. When God comes into your life, He makes you have healing, a healing, therapeutic personality. To meet you, it's like a cedar chest. <laughs> Not with the mothballs, but with the fragrance you know, that was so nice. I, f- I feel inspired after meeting them. God says He will make you delightful and your presence will br- bring healing and joy to people. S- you know, sinners wanted to be around Jesus. Pharisees did not, but the sinners did because they sensed something in Him. There was a fragrance, a spiritual fragrance. Number seven... In verse 7, they will return and dwell beneath my shadow and flourish like grain and blossom like the vine. Their fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. They will flourish like the grain and blossom like the vine. Those were the staples in Israel in the agricultural society is grain and wine. And he says, I will make you flourish. In other words... He will make you profitable, productive. He will make you valuable. And then the final one is is the number eight is in verse seven, that last statement. Their fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Now most of us don't know much about the wine of Lebanon. But... Wine in Lebanon has the oldest vines in the world. And they're in a state of flux, and a state of war, actually, right now. And even in this military environment, 
they are still selling over 6 million cases of wine per year. That's the wine of Lebanon. It's, it's famous in the ancient world. And he says, I will make you like the wine, I'll make your spread your fame, verse 7, last phrase, like the wine of Lebanon. In other words, people will hear your name and think, oh yeah, that's, they're deep, they're strong, they're helpful, they're valuable. Your name will be blessing, a blessing in the world. So these eight things, how wonderful to return to God. That's the point. He promises healing and blessing. You will become pleasant and strong and connected with others. You will be beautiful and a delight to be around. You will be valuable and productive and you'll be known as a blessing and a joy in the earth. Meeting you is like taking a strong drink of Lebanon wine. Amen. So it's not only simple, it's wonderful to return to God. Then one final thing is it's available. Look at verse 8. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I'm like an evergreen tree. From me comes your fruit. And then verse 9. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever. It's available. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. This is for everyone. For the ways of the Lord are right. The upright walk in them and, and, and transgress or stumble in them. The ways of the Lord are right. Whoever is wise, whoever is discerning, you can return to the Lord. If this makes sense to you, if God, if you hear Him and you feel your need of Him and you're motivated to return to Him, you are wise and discerning. And it's simple. Bring words. Tell him your sins are too heavy for you to bear. He's going to have to carry them. He's already done it through Jesus Christ. And tell him you're not going to trust. You, you may use doctors, use counselors, use lawyers, use General Motors, but you're looking to God as your source, not the venue through which he works. Tell him Assyria will, will not have your trust Give him the words of verse 1 through 3 and then claim the promises of verse 4 through 7 because it's available. It's for whoever would be wise. Hosea, God through Hosea appeals to us, don't be unwise. Don't be undiscerning. Come to him. Return to him. Now, if you, there may be two things I would just conclude with today. One is, maybe you're a Christian and you've been saved, you've been uh, baptized, but you've, you need to return to God. Don't make it complicated, folks. Don't, don't think you have to come up with something. 
It's not complicated. It's simple. Come to God. Second, if you're not a Christian, or maybe you've put your faith in Christ, but you haven't been baptized, be baptized. Let it be known publicly to God, that, uh, to, to all of God's people, that, hey, I am putting my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So publicly. We're, we've already uh, have requests for baptism right now. So we're, we're planning a date for baptism. If you haven't been baptized, please let me know. We'll, we want to work with you. We want to get a date. We want to put some literature in your hands. We want to answer your questions. So we're planning a baptism. So let's return to God. Amen. Now this Wednesday night, we'll pick up the first of seven sayings uh, from the cross. And then next Sunday morning, don't forget, uh, we are going to have a wonderful time uh, just celebrating the birth of little Zachary Daniel. And what a beautiful little baby that it is. He is. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your invitation to return to you. And we do return to you. Help us. Give us grace. Give us mercy. And I pray your blessing on this time of tithes and offerings as we worship you with our gifts. Not because it buys us anything, but because we love you. We appreciate you so much for what you have done. And we love your church. And we give to your church and we give to you and we worship you with our gifts. So grant your presence in this time of giving as well as singing and preaching. Amen.